Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. We're doing a gay mass tonight. It is Sunday, so I'm trying to get back on a normal schedule with my shows and doing gay mass on Sundays and the Off Limits show on the Thursdays and then so forth and so on. You can actually go to um, offlimitsshow.com if you want to know what my schedule is supposed to be um, because I don't really keep up with it the way I should. I'm trying to be a little more professional about it. So you know when to expect a show if you want to listen live. Of course, you can always listen to the show through archives or through iTunes or many other methods, Spreaker.com. Um, so if you miss the show live, you can always hear it later. But <clears throat> I always like to hear from people live if they want to call in or whatever because it's always a better uh, show that way when you, I have somebody to talk to. So um, anyway, tonight we're going to do gay mass. And gay mass shows, I talk about whatever's going on in the gay community, gay Gay news, gay topics, whatever. <clears throat> Last night I did a show called Stumbling Safari, which is really just about me going on about whatever I find online about um, whatever the topics at hand are at the time. So if you go to, um, if you look in my last show, which was called, um, let me look it up, Stumbling Safari, um, there's a lot of gay uh, things I discussed in last night's show, if you want to hear about them. Um, I talked about some articles on, on kind of being gay in this day and age and how kind of superficial it is and that sort of thing, as well as some other stuff. So I'll be sure to check that out if you're interested. Um, so excuse me on tonight's show, um, talking about, um, gay stuff as usual. <laughs> and, um, I remember there's this article I found, um, by his name is Micah J. Murray. <clears throat> He's a writer and he wrote an article about something I've spoken about many times on my show on discussing religion and gays and he had said um, something that I completely agreed with, and which was um, people who say, <clears throat> well, I'm going to read you the article in a moment, but he, people who say often religious uh, zealots and people who are evangelical Christians, et cetera, will often say, um, love the sinner, hate the sin. <clears throat> That's always pissed me off because saying that is, is so condescending and rude, if you ask me. If you're going to say, love the sinner, hate the sin, then you're saying, oh, well, we love you, we love you, but we hate who you really are. <laughs> we hate your we hate your your sin, what they call a sin, which to an evangelical Christian would mean um, homosexuality is a sin, right? So they love you and they want to save you because they care so much about you, yet they um, hate what you do. And so they want to love you but hate your actions. And it's always baffled me, people who have this kind of viewpoint, because it's if you have any kind of um, 
if you have any kind of like common sense or rational mind, it doesn't make any sense to say that because you're saying, well, you can be yourself as long as you're not who you were born to be. You can be yourself as long as you ignore all of your, um, all of your, your motivations, your instinctual motivations. You can be who you are as long as you, you are exactly who we think you should be. Then we love you. But if you don't, then, well, we hate what you do, but we still love you anyway. <clears throat> so anyway, this article is uh, short, but I'll read it to you real quick. And, um, I think it makes a good point. So it's, this is how it goes. He says, and it's by Micah J. Murray, and it's called Why I Can't Say Love the Sin or Hate the Sin Anymore. I'm done. I can't look at my gay brother in the eye anymore and say, I love the sin or hate, but hate the sin. I can't keep drawing circles in the sand. He's straight, by the way. I thought I just needed to try harder. Maybe I needed to focus more on loving the sinner and less on protesting the sin. But even if I was able to fully live up to that ideal, quote, 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 unquote, I'd still be wrong. I'd still be viewing him as something other than something different. Not human, not friend, not Christian, not brother, sinner. And despite all of my theological disclaimers about how I'm just as much a sinner too, it's not the same. We don't use that phrase for everybody else, only them, only the gays. That's the only place where we make sinner the all-encompassing identity. Then we try to reach them to evangel and to evangelize them we speak of the gays in words reminiscent of the savages from the old missionary stories foreign and different and far away the ultimate conquest for the church and to tame and colonize and save maybe we accept them in our midst but even then it's sinners in our midst branded with a rainbow colored scarlet letter they aren't truly really part of us even that word them makes me cringe as I speak it, as if my brothers and sisters are somehow other different than me. It's a special sort of condescending love we've reserved for the gay community. We'll agree to love them, accept them, welcome them, but we reserve the right to see them as different. We reserve the right to say them instead of us. We embrace them with arms full of disclaimers about how all the sinners are welcome here. And yet, they're the only ones we constantly remind of their status as sinners. Welcome sinners. In all this, we turn our backs on all the gay brothers and sisters already in our church, already following Jesus. Our us versus them narrative leaves little space for those who didn't choose to be gay, but did choose to follow Jesus. Using gay and sinner interchangeably, we force them away from the table and into the shadows. They say Jesus was a friend of sinners, but he didn't describe himself that way. His motto wasn't eating and drinking with prostitutes and tax collectors. Those were the labels used by religious community um, by the disapproving onlookers. What's amazing about Jesus is that when he hung out with the sinners, he didn't act like they were sinners. They weren't a project, a mission field. They were his friends, people with names, defined as beloved children of the Creator, not defined by their sins, icons of God's image, his brothers and sisters. It was the Pharisees who looked at them and scrawled a sinner on their foreheads. It was the accusers who drew circles in the sand with themselves on the inside and those sinners on the outside. Those words, a friend of sinners, were spoken with an upturned nose and a self-righteous sneer. And that's the same phrase the church has adopted to speak of our own brothers and sisters. Love the sinner, hate the sin. 
It's the same self-righteous sneer heard in the words of those who drag the women, the woman caught in adultery to Jesus. What should we do with such a woman? They defined her by a moment. She was one of those, not a sister, not a human, just a pawn in a political debate, a sinner. But Jesus knelt with her in the sand, unafraid to get dirty, unafraid to affirm her humanity. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He could have said, you're a sinner, but I love you anyways. But she knew she was a sinner. Those voices were loud and near, and they held rocks above her head. Jesus refused to let her voice join theirs by telling her, go and sin no more. He affirmed that a sin is not her deepest identity. It's not how he saw her. It's not who she was at the core of the being. I am a sinner. But before I was a sinner, I was created in the image of God. While sin has twisted and smudged that image, it can't erase it. Sin is so terrible that it killed Jesus, but it doesn't define me any longer. I am a new creation. Because Jesus, sinner, is not because of Jesus, sinner is not how God sees me. It's not how I see myself, and it shouldn't be how I see my brothers and sisters in the church. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. To look at my gay Christian brother and say God loves a sinner is to set myself against Jesus and bring condemnation against those who he's already redeemed. So I'm done. I'm done with love the sinner, but hate the sin. I won't say it anymore. I'm done with speaking as if I'm different, better than you. We are icons. We are children of the creator, redeemed by Jesus. We are brothers and sisters. And today that's enough. So I thought it was great. Now, you know, I'm not a Jesus freak. <laughs> I'm not a Christian and I'm not a, definitely not an evangelical Christian. Um, and so I don't believe in any of the hoo-ha that's preached by Christianity or religion, but as a religion, but him, this guy being someone who's obviously a devout Christian has finally used his brain and come to a conclusion that, that treating people as sinners is not the, in the image of God, that they're God that they believe in. And so that it is not right to treat gay people in a manner that casts them away from his church. And especially he's talking specifically about gay Christians. And so I know people, some, there are some people who listen to my show who are gay Christians and that's fine. But that, you know, a lot of times gay Christians feel like outcasts because they're, they're treated as if they are like some, you know, horrible sinner, like, and they don't, they don't question the people in their church about, who's, who's an adulterer, who's stolen, who's lied today, who's, you know, broken a commandment or whatever. No, they don't do that to anyone else, but to, to gays because they're gay and it's well known that they're gay and they wear that proudly and loud as they should. Unfortunately, people see that and say, oh, well, you're gay, so you can't come in this church or you can't be part of this congregation. When in reality, every single person in that congregation has sinned or is a sinner. And that's his point. And so to treat people as the way completely beside the way that Jesus Christ himself would have treated them is wrong. And so if you are a Christian and you're a heterosexual Christian and you're telling someone that they should love, they, that they should, that you love them, but you hate the sin, they love them, but you hate the action or whatever. Fuck you. Because the truth is, um, as far as I'm concerned, your religious beliefs don't have any bearing on me. But if you are talking to someone who's a gay Christian, to call someone out for being a sinner in your viewpoint is, is, it means that they can do the same to you. So, you know, they can love you, but hate the things you do. And the fact is we are a culmination of the things we do. You can't separate a person from the things that they do because the things that they do is what makes a person who they are in the first place. You can't say, oh, I love 
I don't know, Brad or Al or whatever, but Brad is, you know, a rapist and a murderer, but I still love him. Um, but you know, and I don't think that that's okay. Um, and a lot of people, they, they draw contrasts with gays being gay and with rapists and murderers or pedophiles or whatever, as if they're equally the same. And the reality is, you know, for someone who's just choosing to be themselves and to love people, um, love someone of the same sex simply because they're of the same sex. And to say that that's equally as bad as someone who is, um, who is a murderer or someone who is a rapist or whatever is ludicrous. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times people who are evangelical Christians will allow, and I've said this many, many times on my show, will allow their, their, um, their religion to override their common sense and to override their, um, their, um, I don't guess common sense, I guess, rationale, rationale, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting and an interesting article. And, um, we're gonna come back and talk about a few more gay issues, gay topics. We'll be right back after this. Sorry, that was the wrong song. <laughs> um, I pressed the wrong button there. Uh, let me see. There we go. Be right back after this.
was Madonna with Candy Perfume Girl. Good song. Not a very well-known song, but a really great song. Very kind of rock and acid rock song that she did from the Ray of Light album. So that was Madonna. Of course, got to play her on the show. So we're back. By the way, if you want to call into the show, you can. The number is 214-377-0481. Or you can call for free using Skype by calling Off Limits Show uh, on Skype. So anytime during the show, if you want to call in, feel free to call. And I'm happy to take your call. And we can talk about whatever it is you want to talk about or whatever we're talking about at the moment. So feel free. So I don't know if you guys heard about the guy with two dicks, um, but he has been in the news a lot lately. Um, and he was essentially, he was a, um, he posted a, a Reddit, he'd responded to a Reddit um, post or a question uh, that said, ask me anything. And um, so he answered the questions. And so I'm going to read you the questions that were um, asked of him and his responses to them. Um, he calls himself double dick dude or triple D. He was born with what's called defilia. It's a rare congenital condition that causes him to have two sex organs and both penises are in the six inch range. So does that make him, does that make him a 12 inch penis? But triple D says he can get one as large as seven if he's really aroused. (laughs) Um, DDD also hopefully provided evidence in the form of two extremely graphic photographs. Okay. And the photographs are on this page I'm reading from, and, um, they're definitely two dicks. So interesting. Um, it doesn't really freak me out, but it's, it is freaky <laughs> I because it looks like just two, two guys have two penises next together or something are crossing, but it is weird. Um, but is two, are two dicks really better than one? I don't know. And when they're on one man, <laughs> I don't know. Does it, does it matter if they're on one man or more than one? Anyway, so he's got a lot of people curious about um, his penis. And so um, his, uh, so he had several questions that were asked about um, of him, you know, and I was going to read to you a few of them if I could find them. Hold on. Uh, where is it? Da, 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 da. Oh, interestingly enough, he's with, he's a bisexual. He considers himself bisexual. He's currently in a relationship with a man and a woman. So I'm curious if one, if the guy gets one penis and the girl gets another and she's like, no, that's my penis. And that's his penis. No, the two are never to meet. You know, I wonder how that works or does it mean they have sex together? Um, he says that, um, his, his girlfriend is straight. And after four months of them both knowing him, him, the guy that they, um, that they found out about his cocks and, um, they've been together ever since. So I just don't know, you know, I, I the only, the only experience I've ever had with somebody who had kind of a congenital issue with, uh, their penis or with whatever, um, you know, having sex with them, something weird going on down there was one time it was this guy and his name was Jeff. Um, and he was, um, I've dated like six Jeffs, by the way. In my life, I don't know what the deal is with Jeff and me, but anyway, and I was uh, 20 years old, and um, he was um, tall, blonde, blue-eyed, gorgeous man, just really gorgeous man, and um, and well-built and everything. I'm not like muscular, but just nice toned body, and like six foot four, and just very much my type, you know. And so I, uh, so we, we started dating, we dated for a while. We dated probably for a month or maybe six weeks before we ever had sex and which is rare. Uh, <laughs> and I just thought he wanted to take things slow and you know, whatever. And he was, but he was an amazing kisser. And, and, um, I don't know. He was just a really, I felt really happy. I was happy to be with him. He was older than me. I was 20. He was like 32. Um, but that's what I liked anyway. So anyway, um, he was, um, 
we finally, you know, after we'd been, we kissed a lot and everything, but finally we were going to go to bed together and have sex. And, um, he, I remember kissing him the time before this and I were kissing. He's like, we went on his bed and laid down his, his bed and he's like, you should, he's like, um, I think we should wait. And I was like, why? And he's like, he's like, well, I can tell you're, you're experienced. I'm not really that experienced. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, how is he not experienced? He's 32 years old. He's never had sex in it, whatever. And so what does, what does he mean by that? And, um, he said, I said, well, how can you tell I'm experienced? He said, I can tell by the way you kiss your, your, your experienced kisser and you've had sex well last sex i'm like okay is that a positive or a negative he's like no you're a great kisser he's just i can tell you're you've got a lot more experience than i do i'm like okay so what does that mean he said well i just want to wait a while so we waited a week and in the following week we finally ended up went to dinner or whatever around the movies or went to play or something like that and we ended up in his bed and um now, first of all, you know, being a gay man, you need to know a couple things. You need to know if he's a top or if he's a bottom, right? And if he's a top, you're going to kind of, um, oh, hey, Ken. Hey, Ken Boggle. Okay. In the chat room, um, my friend Ken, fellow guy from the crew show, is in the chat room right now. Um, by the way, guys, check out the crew show on, I think, Tuesday, the 9th, I think, is the day um, we're going to be on there. And David is interviewing um, Seth Fornia, who is a male model and, um, kind of a, he's a gay male model. Uh, he's kind of a, an erotic model. He's more of an erotic model, but he's not a porn star. And so anyway, check that show out. Um, and you can always go to the crewshow.net and find out more about that show. Anyway, back to my story. So we were, um, in bed together and we, um, and so this is when I was, I was 20 years old. And so we were in bed together. And, um, like I started to say was, you know, when you're a gay man, you need to know if the guy's a top or bottom. I didn't know if he was a top or if he's a bottom or what. And I didn't really care either way I was attracted to him and he was attracted to me, but, um, I figured he was probably a top. And so we, um, we're getting down to business, whatever. And, um, you know, our clothes were off and, um, it was very dark. It was, he, had, he had the lights completely off and it was completely dark in his bedroom and I could hardly see anything. There was a little bit of moonlight coming in from the window. And I started, so I started, we started kissing and everything else. And, um, then I started to go down to suck his dick and when I went down to suck his dick, he, I kept looking for, and I couldn't see anything right. I kept looking for the, like hole, the hole in the penis, right? You know, like the hole on top of the penis, the, the, some people call it crudely the pistolet, but anyway, the hole on the top of the penis, uh, kept looking for that. It was not there. There was no hole on the top of his penis, this guy's penis. And I was like, and I didn't freak out or anything. I was like, okay. I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to, so that's just how I am. I wouldn't, most people were like, oh, what the fuck or whatever. And it got worse though, because I kept feeling for it. I'm going down a shaft and there was no hole and he wasn't really responding to me like jerking him off or anything either. And I kept trying to find the, the, the hole and his head was like different. It was like there, but it wasn't like it was, you know, the, the head of a penis wasn't the same. And so I kept feeling down, feeling down. And finally I went down and you know, where his balls wouldn't would normally be, he had balls, but where his nor like between the balls and the base of the shaft, there was some like hole there or something. I don't know what it was, but it felt very wet. <laughs> And I started feeling around on it and I was like, okay. And whenever I touched it, he's like, he would moan and like pleasure. And so I knew something was up. And so I was like, I was a little freaked out. And so I didn't do anything. And, and I just, I think we, I honestly, I don't remember what happened. I know we didn't do anything. I know I, um, what did I do? I remember getting off of him and laying beside him 
on the bed and just kind of staring at the ceiling, what I could see of it and thinking, and if he's going to, what I should say, should I say something about his, about this? Could I, what should I do? And so he never mentioned it or anything, but it turns out um, that, and he never said anything about it. He never said anything. The only, only thing that happened next was like the following week, he, he broke up with me and um, I figured after the fact, I found out that he was a hermaphrodite. So um, I did not know that. He never told me that when we were dating. And so I was like, wow. And so I guess he was afraid to tell me or whatever. Um, and I'm not really sure how I would have felt about it. I mean, I definitely, I don't know how I would have felt about it. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a vagina that I was feeling down there. It wasn't a vagina or it wasn't a whole vagina anyway. If it was a vagina, it was some, it was something else. I don't know what was going on, but I never saw it the, day, the night of the light of day. But I found out he was a, or intersexed or he was intersex or hermaphrodite, whatever it's called. I can't remember which one it was, but I found out later by, by asking some friends that knew him, and they said that he never told you. I was like, no. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, this is the deal. And I can't remember if they said he was hermaphrodite or intersex or if that's the same thing or whatever. But anyway, so that was the, that was the weird issue I have. So we're talking about the guy who has two dicks. You know, if I were to come across a guy who had two dicks, you know, when I was dating and stuff, I probably would not have been as freaked out about that as if I had been, as if, if I finding this guy, who was a hermaphrodite or whatever. So, but the thing was, it was a shame. He broke up with me. He was kind of mean about it. And, um, actually, no, actually what happened is he, after that happened, I was out and about, he said he was studying for this exam he had for, he was studying for this, um, this, uh, excuse me, he was like a BSN, a nurse, like a bachelor's of science nursing guy or whatever. And he was a head nurse at this, uh, Parkland hospital here in Dallas. He was studying to get some certification, uh, while we were dating. And, um, so he was always studying every weekend or whatever. And I drove by his house once one day with a friend, we were out on the weekend. He said he couldn't go out that weekend. This is the weekend after that happened. Right. And so, um, I went, went out and he was on a date with another guy and I saw him um, like giving this guy a kiss or whatever. And so I was so pissed off. And so that's what, you know, that's when we broke up. I was like, okay, this guy's a hermaphrodite or intersex or whatever. And I've been nothing but patient, kind to him and everything. And he's cheating on me. <laughs> so, um, so I went to his house. So the following Sunday, which is the next day, uh, every Sunday when I was at SMU, I went to work study at the ARC in Dallas. And, um, I was the volunteer coordinator there and I opened the, the place and I would be the only one there for a while before the volunteers came in and the, um, the other people. And, um, anyway, so I was there and I was pissed off and, and seething. And so in the middle of the day, after some other people came, I called him, I said, what the fuck's going on with you? And, and he's like, he wouldn't tell me what was going on. And so I was like, as I, he hung up, he wouldn't talk to me. And so I left and drove all the way from downtown Dallas, where I work at the time, all the way up to North Dallas, like about, about 12 miles North and it drove like a hundred miles an hour in my car. And this was the week, ironically, in my life that I was smoking. I never smoked in my life, but this one week in my life when I was 20, 19, 20 years old, I guess I was 20 because this is when this happened. And I had a package of cloves and I was just milking it from all I could. Just a big dramatic scene in front of his house. <laughs> and so I went to his house and as soon as I, I went pulled, pulled up to his house, I went to the front door, banged on the door. I said, what the fuck is your problem? And I smoked, I dragged on a cigarette and I dropped it on the ground and pushed it down <laughs> to the concrete with my toes, like Sandy on grease. You know what I mean? <laughs> I said, what the fuck is your problem? And I blew the smoke in his face and, um, he smoked, but anyway, and, uh, he said, um, he said, uh, he said, he said, don't make a scene. I said, what the fuck are you talking about? I said, what the fuck is going on? I see you with some other guy yesterday and all of a sudden you break up with me and uh, you're, you want to break 
break up. I mean, what's going on? And I don't, maybe I don't actually know he did not break up with me at that point. I broke up with him because I found him with somebody else. Anyway, and so um, he's like, um, I don't know. It's just not, not going to work for me. And I'm like, well, it was working fine three days ago. What the fuck happened? And I, right then, this other guy pulls up in his car and come, gets out of his car and starts towards the um, starts towards the door. And I go, who's that? And he goes, just some guy. He said, he said, don't say anything. Don't make a scene. I said, fuck you. I said, fuck you. And I turned around and I said, this guy's a fucking um, hermaphrodite or something like that. And I know that, you know that may be mean to you or whatever, but it's not mean to me. And after he fucking cheated on me or whatever. And so I said, he said, fuck you. Have a great fucking um, vagina slash penis day or whatever the fuck it is you have. And I left. And so I was not very happy. And I wasn't very nice about it in the end. But I was very kind about it in the beginning until he fucking cheated on me. So that's the only time I've ever known to be, have been cheated on by somebody. Um, and I don't even know if I was really cheated on as much as just he went out on a date with somebody. But you know what I mean. So that was my hermaphrodite story <laughs> that I had with this guy named Jeff. And ironically, I was interested in what happened to him because I had looked him up. Um, I looked him up about, I don't know, a month ago or two months ago or whatever. And um, I, just to see what had happened to him on Facebook and stuff like that. And after doing all my sleuthing and stuff, I found out he had died about three years ago. And he had, um, I don't know why he died. And it's under mysterious circumstances. He doesn't say why he died. No, no And it's, I emailed this guy who posted a thing on his, his uh, graveyard site, you know, those sites or whatever, where it says... Um, you know, you, you give your condolences for someone who died or whatever on a website. So I emailed two of his friends on there and one was a woman, one was a guy. And both of them said, I don't know what he died of. No one would say it was under mysterious circumstances. And he lived like, he was like from Oklahoma in a very small town. And so it may have been, it may have been AIDS or something. I don't know what he died of, but, um, it's just sad. It was just sad. And so, you know, I felt like, um, it, you know, I don't know. It's just sad that he had ended that way, but whatever happened to him, you know, oh, well, but anyway, that was my story about that. So we were talking earlier about the guy with two dicks. And so that is the, um, the, the only run in I've ever had with someone who wasn't an actual full on man, um, <laughs> or whatever the, the, the issue was. Um, and so I'm wondering if, if he, you know, had, um, he must have had a really hard life and I just, I feel sad for him, you know, thinking back, but I also don't, I kind of feel justified considering how he treated me in the end, but anyway, whatever. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk some more about some gay issues. We'll be right back after this. If you want to call in the numbers 214-377-0481. I think that's right. Um, or if you want to call in, um, you can call in using Skype and we'll be right back after this. Thank you. 
was Stella by Starlight. <laughs> that was a Miles Davis too, and I love Miles Davis. So we have um, fellow crew member Ken Boggle with us. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. What's going on with you? I'm still off the wagon. You're off the wagon? I'm off the wagon, and I've been in the rarest mood today. I have been in the strangest mood. I I had a really good phone call this morning from friends, and then I went and saw some friends who live in the same apartment community as I. And it's just been, I mean, one thing after the other. Then you were on doing a show, and I checked my Twitter at this hour, and there you were, and I was like, I'm going to call him. Well, I'm glad you did. Well, I'm glad. I mean, I've had such a day. I mean, what a good way to end my day. To what talk to what was your friend. day about? I mean, what was so great about it or what's been happening? I don't know. It's just a bunch of really good stuff, like just good stuff. Like I watched a really good movie. What did you watch? Laurel Canyon. Laurel Canyon? Isn't that an oh. old movie? Oh, it's the one with the Frances McDormand in it. Is that her name? Frances McDormand? Yeah, the one with Fargo? No, uh, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, she was but, in Fargo. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure, but because it's the only thing I've I've seen her in, and um, the guy was Christian Bale. Yeah, oh, is that the one movie. with um, Laura Flynn Boyle? I'm trying to think. Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. Uh, Laurel Canyon. It was a mousy little brunette. Oh yeah, yeah, mousy little brunette. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kate Beckinsale. I've been off it since Christmas, haven't I? I have. I've gone back to my old ways. I even had drink. I mean, just drink, drink, drinks. What kind of drinks did you have? Vodka cranberry. Oh, my God. But they were Ciroc raspberry sort of vodka, which was really Mm. nice. My friend Jax, she left it here, so I... I Waste not, want not. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it must have been just perfect, because it's been set here for like a year without anybody drinking it. And then we had fat tire beer here. I was about to have a beer, but I was like, nah, that's husband's. (laughs) So now you have a drinking problem. (laughs) Well, honey, no, I had a drinking problem from the time I was 15. I went to rehab the first time before I was 16. So I I know very well my limitations. No, I'm just kidding. I know. No, I know. no, 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 no. But no, you're right. But this evening, it was just so. It just has been great because um, I've really wanted to throw a dance party. And <laughs> I heard there was some really good music on the Pandora. Lots of Madonna was going. Woo-hoo! It was like uh, what was it? Lots of like a prayer. Oh my god! Um, True Blue, which is one of my favorites. I love actually. that song. Yeah. So it's just been a good day of music, good movies, great, great friends, that kind of thing. Good. That's a good. You had a great day. How about you? What kind of day have you had? Today, what have I done today? Today, we went to the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we did today. He works, he works on Saturday. He works on Saturday. And so he went, we went to the grocery store and uh, came home. We watched, actually what we're doing is we're catching up on Dexter, the show Dexter. Oh, yeah. Because, because we, when we were watching it last season, in the middle of the season, that's when the Time Warner cable debacle happened where they cut off CBS oh, and Showtime for, yeah. for a month. And so we missed a month of it. And we want to watch the other four episodes first before we watch the rest of them. So we had to wait till it came on Netflix for free. And so, <laughs> and so now it's on Netflix as of January 1st. And so now we're watching it. Two episodes left, and so we, we oh, watched like boy. four of those tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean that's a pretty good show. Oh, that's it's a, a great show. show. Did you watch it all the way through or not? No, 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 no. Okay. I lost Dexter in like season three. Oh I my didn't God. like his girlfriend. He had this like um, a blonde girlfriend. Oh, Julia Styles. Uh, maybe that's her name. She just didn't do. She did nothing for me. Or are you talking like, about I, talking about the one that got 
killed or are you talking about the the she one that was, was like the very first girlfriend he had in the series it was like season two love it was like season two i think that must have been his wife he ended up marrying yeah. her but anyway. oh yeah yeah he did but anyway so i lost it i was just like i'm not i can't keep up with you but <laughs> you I, didn't like her <laughs> he's you know i didn't care for her but he's beautiful isn't oh he? my god is he I think he's so sexy. And I was commenting tonight on his body tonight. Before tonight, in one of the scenes we watched on the, the fourth or last episode, he was having sex with somebody. And um, it's the, for only the only in the whole series where he's been completely naked, they show his whole body except his penis. And oh my God, he's a great body. His butt is amazing. <laughs> yeah, Seriously. you know, he's married to a girl from Louisville. Uh, who? He's married again? Is he already divorced? Are they already the girl he who was playing his, his sister? sister yeah, I they think. got divorced a year after they got Shut married. Shut your freaking mouth! <laughs> no, they're still on the show together. I Isn't that awkward? You, I mean, I've got to tell you something really, really strange. What? I, I love her, by the day. way. I love her. Oh, I do. I like her. Yes. I liked her even in that really horrible white uh, scary movie she was in quarantine. Oh, okay. <laughs> she was in white chicks. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but anywho. Um, oh shit! What were we talking about? Oh, talking I just about her, Deb from. Yes. Well, anyway, I I love her, and she was worth sticking around for. But then uh, that that girlfriend of his just turned me off big time. <laughs> so terrible. But I'm catching up with Coven. I've caught up with Coven almost. Are you caught up? Really? Yes, because I understood a reference you made the other day, which was, was what? About, which was Kathy Bates' character, Madame De La Rue. Uh, Yes, she had been decapitated. One woman mailed her head. No, did not even mail it. I think someone dropped. She had it dropped off. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, and you know, so now I'm I'm kind of caught up. You know, I'm kind of. So are you caught up up all the way? No, I just started with that episode, and yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But I didn't go back any further for fear of something that would upset me. So I just started with that episode. It was (laughs) good, and I'm doing it one episode at a time. Well, it comes back next week, so you got to comes back. What is it? Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes. Yes. It comes back on Wednesday, so be sure you catch it. It's a great show. I'm telling you. I know. Well, that's the one Stevie is going to be in. Yes, the next two episodes she's in, actually, according to David. Yeah, the next two episodes. Yes, and then now she says that we. We are not to be disappointed, but now she herself will tell you she's a terrible actress. So I'm really <laughs> nervous to see how all this is going to work out for my good friend Stevie Nicks. <laughs> well, you know, I don't think she's a whore. I think I saw her in something before, and she wasn't like great. That's for sure. She's not a great actress, but she's you yeah. know she's a singer. She does what she does well. Yeah, she's like I hate it. I hate it. She doesn't like you know, acting. I, yeah, well, I just I, I, to me, and I kind of understand it is like when somebody, and you do too. You know, when somebody tells you what to do and what to say and how to do it, you know, it yes. loses all kind of. Well, you, so I can see her. I being think that I think way. the reason that she's like that also maybe, and I would be this way as well, is because I think when you're a creative individual and you want to create, when you're an actor, you just do what you're told. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you can absolutely. create. You can create that, a character. That wouldn't but, work for me. No, me either. I mean, I wanted to be an actor when I was really young, and I actually thought about going to to do the acting actually, and I was going to go to acting school. Actually, no, excuse me, I did go to acting school called. Katie studio here in texas but anyway oh i love that yeah but um i and i went the whole process and everything but um what was i gonna say um oh and so i was gonna do that but yeah if i'd ever been an actor i would have been a bitchy one <laughs> like you know no that's not how we're doing i would have been like christian bale fuck you get out of my fucking light or whatever <laughs> <Joan Crawford. laughs> yes i probably would have been a horrible bitch can i tell you you posted something about joan crawford it was a couple of days in a row or maybe i had checked my facebook but not my twitter 
in a couple of days. But anyway, I saw the post twice, and it was Joan Crawford. Um, she was talking to Pepsi when she was. Oh yes, get back in don't fuck with me, fellas. This <laughs> ain't my first time at the rodeo. I love I said, her. Well, you know what? I now, having read Donovan has said that, <laughs> I completely have a different understanding of our relationship. Partner says to me, "How so?" I'm like, "Well, Donovan is Joan Crawford." <laughs> And I am You're Betty just... Davis. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> he said, no, no, that's just too creepy to be real. I'm like, now listen, I won't put a Coke machine outside her dressing room. I won't go that far. But I was like, but, you know, and I'm sure that we enjoy one another a lot more than they enjoyed the, each other. So I'm oh my, like, it's yes. not completely that. But I mean. Well, Betty I mean, Davis, Betty Davis really, really hated Joan Crawford. I mean, hated her. She was terrible. And I sent you that thing about Lassie. She had been with every male actor <laughs> at MGM except Lassie. Right, yes. Now, that says something about her determination, I think. Well, hello. Uh, I mean, yes. I mean, she's got spark, <laughs> spunk, for sure, yes. I don't think she was... they said she was a tiny... I'm sorry to interrupt. So they said she was a tiny little woman with a really big head. She was actually not very big, and she actually wore heels all the time, high heels and big shoulder pads. It made her look a lot more intimidating than she really was. Yeah, she was really small. But yeah. she was, you know, the thing about that is, though, I mean, in those days, um, you had to actually, I mean, I'm not saying you had to do it that way and sleep your way to the top, but she definitely did in a lot of ways. But she wasn't a bad actress. She was a good actress. She wasn't, she wasn't Betty Davis, but she was a good actress. And she had her moments, like in, of course, uh, Mildred Pierce and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I was just going to say Mildred Pierce. Listen, yes. we have officially turned 60 years old with this conversation. We're like, Lord, Joan Crawford and... <laughs> <laughs> no, this is game ass. Trust me, half yeah, my audience is going to know. You said the, I mean, the <laughs> Skype. I'm like, oh, I can do that. So, but oh, yeah. um, you know, the thing about Betty was that Betty was not e- easy to get along with, and Betty was um, uh, was was the kind of person I've read all of her biographies. I don't know if you've seen my Instagram, but I have pictured that Betty Davis autographed thing in my kitchen. I see it every time <laughs> I go. In. Um, I don't know. I, she was the kind of person to me, having learned what I do know of her from her books too, is just that she was the kind of person that put up with absolutely nothing. You could not get anything by her. I love that though. That's what I love. I love that about yeah, her. But I think it really damaged a lot of her um, relationships with like her family and stuff. And yeah, that's not how, so much. That's why I relate BD, to her. Her daughter said it wasn't anything like uh, Chris, uh, Christy, uh, what was Christina Crawford. Name? Christina Crawford. She said it was nothing like that. It's just my mother has made my life a living hell for <laughs> <laughs> for a long time. She but was anyway. a she was a body tough broad. She was not someone to be. She was to be reckoned with. You know what I mean? That's how she was, and yeah. I love that. But that's what's great about. About both yeah. of these women is that in their day to be that kind of a woman was unheard of and really almost impossible to actually succeed and they both succeeded tremendously in their careers in a time where women were so told to just sit down shut up and look pretty so yeah. I yeah. think that's why I'd admire both and of Joan them. Did, Joan did really the same thing too though Joan really had um, a commitment to immersing herself from what I know of her that she had a real big commitment to immersing herself into the thought process and the psyche and the development of that character. They, I'm sure they have an actor term for it, but she would like completely. Well, it's method acting. Method acting. Thank you. And she just dove in and would, and would just absorb it. And I mean, you have to respect that. I think that you have to be, um, you have to have that quality to be at least good. 
Absolutely. And well, she, she was a perfectionist. So obviously yeah. we know she was a perfectionist. <laughs> um, and, and by the way, the movie, Mommy Dearest, I can recite, I think, every fucking line from that movie. I've seen it so many times, you know. Do you know I can do the same thing with All About Eve? Oh, you know what's funny, Ken? I just watched All About Eve two days ago. <gasps> okay, well, here's what's I mean, no, really I've seen funny. it before many times, here but I watched it really, again. what is really, really funny, because my birthday is less than a month away, and every time I have a birthday... Uh, annually as they come, <laughs> I will always watch all about Eve. When you're always. 40, when you're full, I can't do her, I can't do her, her thing, but her, you know, when you're 40 and you're a woman, you've, it's hard to be a woman, whatever she says, I can't remember. She's amazing. <laughs> to be a all woman. About, and, I watch yeah. all about Eve every year on my birthday. I think I've seen it probably 20 times. I love that movie too. What gay guy doesn't? So, I mean, I guess, well, I guess we've come up on the same amount of years that we've watched. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm just turning 30. Yeah. But I have seen that has been a tradition of mine for a long time. It's almost as old as the Exorcist tradition. Oh, my God. That movie. For Christmas. That's what I play for Christmas. You watch it The really, Exorcist for Christmas? It really gives you perspective on how how far you can go. And because there's, there's a priest in it or what? I mean, <laughs> Well, no. Think about it this way. Okay. Be, be um, dumb yourself down a little bit and look at it from my perspective. They this is the most beautiful picture of of how bad things can get and the power of good versus evil. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think it's his Super Bowl. I think it's Christ's Super Bowl because they're like the power of Christ compels you. I mean, everything's Christmas. <laughs> it's like it's not the, really the date that he lived. Could be closer to the date that he died. All I'm saying is they say Christ, and it's and it's really powerful. And it's like the, it's like the Christ Super Bowl. I love it. I love it. And everybody's like, how weird? And I'm like, no, no, no. I order Chinese food, and you know, I watch <laughs> The Exorcist for Christmas. <laughs> No, I think you're. I think you're hilarious because you're quirky. You have to see. You're just. You're quirky, but that's cool. That makes you unique and different. Weird. Yeah. Now quirky. Quirky. <laughs> I think it's quirky, but that's a good thing. That makes you interesting. Keeps people interested, right? It makes you fun. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Do you believe in all that, by the way, in exorcisms and all that stuff, or not? I'm curious. I think. I think so, but I think that it has a lot to do with. Um, Having learned as much as I have about exorcisms and taken a few seminars, I think that it's got a, a lot to do with the paranormal and the supernatural in life. But I think it's an even bigger part of the psychological. The psych, there's a bigger psycho. It's psychosomatic of a deeper uh, disease or cause. You mean the people who are possessed? Yeah, I think that we. I think that especially back in the day when it was a thing a lot of people were were exercised and they were just schizophrenic or they were mm-hmm, exactly. they had some kind of deep lying disease but now modern medicine being what it is you can really discern between the two mm-hmm. and very rarely have i seen a true exorcism that has flipped me out <laughs> but i have seen one and i i think that there i think that um I think that most of the people who go up there and get exercised in the televangelist perspective, those people are doing it out of a – most of them I've seen are doing it out of a pressure of feeling they need to perform. Mm, you think so? The, the priest, you mean? No, no, no. The people who are being exercised. Oh, you mean uh, you mean they go there and under the impression that someone's going to exercise them and they, they play along? Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, no. I think that I think that these people genuinely believe that they're possessed. Oh, 
But I think when they get up there, they feel the the high intensity of everything that's happening. You know, all those people in the televangelist world and stuff, and they feel like they have to go with what the preacher says. You know, they're possessed by the devil. They, you know, and they they play their part. So yeah, I guess you're right. In a way, they just sort of go along with it, but out of pressure. Well, that's like I, that's just that's really not much different than people like um, when you're at one of those huge churches and they're like, you know, they, they want to heal somebody, you know, heal yeah. you, you know, and they yeah. just do it anyway. Oh, yeah. I'm healed. I can walk. You know, you could always walk. But anyway, so it's like, yeah. Very, very snake oil salesman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? But anyway, yeah, that's my perspective on it. But I think that there are some times that you, um, I think there's sometimes that it's the only thing that can help people because they're, the thought is so ingrained in the belief that they are demonically possessed. They are, they, it only really works for those who really believe it. Right, right. I think that it's hard to exercise an atheist, <laughs> but it's something like I would like to see the exorcism of a vegan atheist. That's what I would like to see. Right. Then you've got something there. You've got put something me, there. Put that in food. What is it? Whole foods. I'll right. come back. I'll come back. That's hilarious. Good. Oh my god! Well, listen. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. You have a great weekend. No, it was fun. It was fun. I'll see you definitely for the show on Thursday. On Thursday, we'll see you then. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, everybody, that was Ken Boggle. Ken Boggle from the Ken Boggle Show, also from the Crew Show, which we do with him. Ken Boggle, David uh, from the Five by Five Show, and myself do the Crew Show. And we're actually doing, uh, actually not Tuesday, we're doing the show with Seth Fornia on, I always want to say Farina, but Seth Fornia on Thursday next week or this coming week. So be sure to catch that show and be sure to um, check out The Crew Show as well. You can check out The Crew Show at thecrewshow.net. You can check out my show at offlimitsshow.com, Twitter, Offlimits Show, as well as on Facebook, Offlimits. So you guys have a great night and thanks for listening. Good night.
shots getting naughty. No invitations, it's a private party. Do what I want, do what I want, put your body. Do what I want, do what I want, put your body. Yeah, we taking these haters and we roughing them up. And we land the cut like we don't give a fuck. Traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. 